right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with uh, myself, Derek Johnson. He is Nick Springer. Hey. See, there you go. Nobody can get mixed up now. Yeah. Oh, all good. Problem solved. Good to go. Uh, Today, going to be a fun show. We got two RCST football trivia matchups. Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. He's joining the show at 340. KU football has their first commit in the class of 2025. It is a quarterback. We also have some Bill Self audio we're going to share with you. KU football Friday question, lie detector test featuring uh, Pac-12 commissioner George Klyovkov. Uh, But right off the bat, we made it to five weeks out, Nick. That's we are so five huge. weeks out from KU Missouri Listen, State. I don't know what the difference is between six weeks and five weeks, but it feels like we've crossed a major threshold here. Okay. Into it felt like forever last week. This week, it's right around the corner. See, for me, five feels the same as six. Really? It really does. I think next week four is gonna feel You think four feels yes. not the same as five. Four to me is gonna feel like, oh man, we're right there. <laughs> we are right there. But I'm what's the difference between okay? What's the difference between four and five versus five and six? Big difference. Huge, gigantic difference. I don't even know how you would even ask me that question. That's a but disrespectful. I, see, I feel like it's five versus six. Like, dude, the number six mm. just feels so huge. But the number five, oh, we're almost there. Mm. I Three also feels... <laughs> three feels far. Three feels far. Yeah, three doesn't feel that five different feels than four close. to me. But two feels way different than three. Yes. 100% agree with that. <laughs> okay. So five feels pretty close. Four, nah. Three feels far. But then two, oh, now you're cooking. Uh, by the way, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So as we've been doing here, now five weeks out from KU Missouri State, which you can hear here on KLWN, we're going to have a, a live show before the game for our uh, KU home tailgating shows at Big Mill. So come on out to that. We always give away. We had uh, all sorts of stuff. We have T-shirts. We have. Oh yeah, there's a prize koozies, wheel. There's, there's a prize wheel. Last year we were able to give away big meal gift cards. I think we're going to be doing that again. Like yep. all sorts of stuff. We're going to be giving away. There were a couple really games last year where you could actually get some K football tickets. If for whatever reason yeah. you didn't have. I believe that's the plan this year. If we have yet, them. Mm-hmm. You could come find us and get some before the game. So you're not going to want to miss those. Uh, five is the number of games that KU won to open up the season before they lost their first game last season. That was cool. Yeah. 5 and 0 was cool. Yeah. Dude, the Iowa, Okay, listen. Oh, winning the Oklahoma State game to become bowl eligible was awesome, but actually my fondest memory of the season last year was at the Iowa State game mm-hmm. after the Iowa State win. That was my favorite. It was like it was awesome. It, the, it, the the nature of the win, right? The missed field goal, the celebration. It was just it was just, just awesome. pure joy. Now listen, being down there, I was actually down on the field when they sit on the goalpost. That was pretty sick too, but the Iowa State game, I think, was the was actually what I will, like. In like fifty years, I'll I'll remember the Iowa State game. Okay, it was that special. Just the way it ended, the 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 nervousness before that, and then the win. 
five and zero. They put five and zero on the video board, and it was just. It was it was unbelievable. The funny part is you're saying it's your most memorable game from last year's KU team, and in reality, it was the worst like played game. No, I know it was terrible. I guess maybe it, the Texas the, game because it the was football. The football yeah. on the field was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just very memorable for other reasons. Um, but yeah, man, it, it last year starting five and zero, it has kind of uh, poisoned my mind a little bit this year to being like. Oh man, that's gonna be so lame if they're not lame. It's gonna be so uh, like not, hard to deal with <laughs> if they're three and two to start the year, and you're like, ah oh, man. Because the beauty of starting five and zero, oh, even though the end result was was six wins, was like you started getting your hopes up about could it be even more than this? What what else could this mean? Could this be a Big Twelve title contender? If you start three and two with this schedule KU has compared to last year's, it would make sense, and you're still going to be on par to you know, do a lot of good things, possibly make a bowl game and possibly win even more games and win seven games or something. But it's going to be – it'll just be different. It'll be different because oh, it'll yeah. be like at that we'll point in time. How many yeah. teams start 5-0? and oh? No, it's not a lot. Very, not not very many. Certainly very power few. five. Yeah. Yes, very few teams start 5-0, and oh, let alone KU football. So that may never happen. I mean, right. I don't know when that will happen again. Well, they might not even start 2-0 this year. The Illinois I, I game know. in week two, that's a tough game. Yes. yes. If they do beat Illinois, I think you're you're looking at them probably at that point feeling like you could start 4-0, though. Yeah. Yeah, because it's Illinois, you then could Nevada. Lose BYU or then Nevada, but BYU. If, at, that point, at that point, if you do beat Illinois, you feel like you're going to be favored against Nevada and I would think BYU. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. I think even if you lose to Illinois, you'll probably be favored over. Favored over Nevada. BYU, I think, it depends how they start. It's Nevada. Man. Yeah, you'll be you'll be favored over Nevada. I'm not quite. Did that. you know there's a? Town? I guess unless Nevada beats USC the week before, but that ain't happening. By the way, did you know there's a town in this is how stupid Missouri is. By the way, Missouri is the dumbest of all time. There's a town in Missouri. It is spelled the exact same way as Nevada. N e v a d a Nevada. That's the name of the town. Okay. Give you a guess how you pronounce the name of that town. Well, I do know how. It's Nevada, right? It's Nevada, yeah. It's just dumb. It's the dumbest thing of all time. But that's like in Kansas, there's a... So in Colorado, there's an El Dorado. In Kansas, there's an El Dorado. Yeah, it's El Dorado. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You can't get mad at Missouri for doing the same exact thing that Kansas That's not the did. same thing. It is the same no, thing. it's not. Yes, it's it totally is. It's totally different. It's completely the it's, same thing. It, it's totally... Nevada to be, Nevada and Dorado to Dorado is different. the same exact thing. It could not be more you different. You're a hypocrite, sir. No, I'm not. It couldn't be more different. Missouri's stupid. KU, Kansas, not stupid. By the way, did you know who BYU plays the week before Kansas? Uh, actually, I don't. I haven't looked at their schedule. It's your favorite school in the world. Arkansas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I think I did know that, actually. So if they beat Arkansas, Our they might Kansas. be favored. Hey, yeah, that's Arkansas. If they right. beat Arkansas. Uh, five is also the amount of receiving touchdowns that Quentin Skinner had last year. Have we been sleeping on him as a potential number one guy? I've been very high on what Lawrence yeah. Arnold can become. Have we given enough credence that Quentin Skinner, he's this super fast guy, big body. We know he's great at the downfield throws. What yeah. if he adds more to his game? Yeah, I mean, rightly or wrongly, we I do think we have sort of put Quentin Skinner in a box of He's your deep threat guy. Yes. And that's like all he is, right? And you're right. I mean, I that, I don't know if that's fair or not. I mean, based off of what he did last season, it's pretty fair. Yeah, but and I mean, right. it makes what him he, a very useful player. Oh, absolutely. Just is yeah, still it's not a, is. Exactly. It's not a negative at all, right? Like every every team, you need at least one guy who can, you know, take the top off of defense. And that's his role. But no, I, that is bringing up an interesting point. I mean, if he does develop a little bit more and, you know, I could see him being the type of guy where, 
if you just get the ball in his hands, like on a screen or something, and he has a chance to get in the open field and run in a straight line, I mean, we know he's got speed, right? That could be an area where you try to use him also. So, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, you know, I think it would depend on maybe. I mean, what if he? What if he just becomes a really, really elite level deep guy? And it's just a situation it where becomes like Corey Coleman. At yeah, Baylor. like once a game, you have a chance to hit him for a deep touchdown. I uh, I view something. him. He's not like he's more of a straight line runner than like a shifty runner. Uh, so maybe that hurts you in some of those intermediate routes. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but like I go back to so you go and look at his his uh, high school recruiting profile from twenty four seven Sports. This is crazy. I don't know if these are just missed measurements or if he has just grown. I, I always forgot to ask him this last year. He was listed here at six foot two, one hundred and sixty pounds. He is Which now listed like 6'5". on the KU roster, six five, one hundred ninety five pounds. Yeah. So you're talking about somebody who has grown considerably. He's fast as all get up. He has the body and size to win the jump balls. Yeah. He's also I, very mature for his age. I right. Mean, he was the guy that was put in front of the media quite a bit last year too, and was always great. Always yeah, still got friendly. a couple years left too. Exactly. Yeah. He was always very friendly. Always very knowledgeable. Gave really interesting and compelling answers. And so. That to me, that's always a reflection of okay. This is a kid who is also wise, who also has his head screwed on the right way, and somebody who probably has a good understanding of how the playbook works and things like that, and is a trustworthy player when it comes to executing plays. Yeah, I don't know that he'll ever surpass like Luke Graham, Lawrence Arnold, maybe even Doug no, Million in terms of the yeah. the route running and the intermediate routes. But to your point, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Could he be a guy who is not just a good deep threat for you? Could he be an elite deep threat? And then he yeah. does have one of those seasons where it's like, you're looking at the numbers, you're like, holy cow, he has 40 catches exactly. for 900 yards. Yeah, you know? no, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's say, you know, Luke Grimm and or Lawrence Arnold, one of those guys has like, you know, 50, 55 56, catches yeah. for the year with like, you know, eight, 900 yards and like 10 touchdowns. And maybe Quentin Skinner only has like 35 catches. But if it's for nine touchdowns or 10 touchdowns where he gets deep, where he breaks deep on a couple of different in a couple of different games, well, I guess it comes down to you know the value of that, right? Right. He could be the most dangerous of the receivers, and, and other teams really. Yeah, maybe have to he's key. not. Yeah, he's maybe he's not breaker. wide receiver one, but he's a guy X that factor. you have to scheme for every single game. Mm-hmm. Craig Young had five and a half tackles for loss. Uh, he also had four and a half sacks, which round up get to five. He was second on the team in sacks in that regard. I think he was third or fourth on the team in tackles for loss. When you go through the KU pass rush questions without Lonnie Phelps, and I, I, I asked Lance Leipold at, at Big 12 Media Day, when you have a trusted back end, when you have all these players back, you know, returning all these starters to the back end, does it give you more confidence to blitz? And, you know, especially when you lose Lonnie Phelps, does it make it it's more of a necessity? And he kind of... He kind of gave me a grin and was like, yeah, that's definitely something we're exploring, which I kind of took the answer from Lance Leipold there as because he didn't go super in-depth with it. If you remember last year, the like triple option game, the speed option game that KU was running was kind of held under wraps. It was something that like they ran a few plays of it in Tennessee Tech. Like there yeah. were some murmurs about it from if you would talk to people like around the program or if you would talk to some reporters around the program, but it wasn't really like an outburst of it. I'm kind of getting that signal. Maybe that's just me. I'm kind of getting the no, signal that they are going to blitz. Not like, I don't, I don't know, who blitzes a lot? Steve Spagnola, uh, Greg Roman. Not like that. <laughs> but the, this team who hasn't really, I feel like, blitzed a ton the last two years 
is going to up their percentages of blitzing a good amount of time. And if that is the case, I feel like Craig Young is candidate number one to have a gigantic season and getting those big time chaotic plays. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of the most intriguing questions regarding this defensive situation because you're right when you when you examine the defensive line situation and the pass rush situation from strictly your D line guys, you're like, nah. Is it gonna you know where's that production to come from? Well, then if if you are going to be a team that's more blitz-heavy and Craig Young has that ability, I mean, what's to say that he doesn't rack up six sacks? I mean, he had how many? He had four and a half last year? Yeah. I mean, he could rack up six, seven, eight sacks and be that number one guy. Uh, I'm trying to think. What year was it where KU had a – who? which KU linebacker was it that led them in sacks recently? Uh, I can't remember what year. I mean, we were um, – we, we were talking about it, right? What was it? I think we were talking about the Orange Bowl that it was – uh, a D lineman at three and a half, but it was like some linebackers who were tied second on the team for the Orange Bowl team with like three sacks. Is, is that what you're referring was, to? Maybe I don't know. I thought there was somebody more recently who had let. Well, like here's here's one that's interesting. Uh, maybe this is the guy that you're talking about because I actually did want to bring this up anyway. Kyron Johnson. Yeah, is that you're yeah, referring yeah, to? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Kyron Johnson went from because he was a linebacker, but the year that he was a he linebacker, all over. I think he actually had he had really good sack production. Yeah. Um, I think he came in as a linebacker, but Kyron Johnson, if you remember, I think at the combine he ran like a four four nine four five, yeah, very fast, insane. very yeah. fast. Came in, I think, as a linebacker. Eventually moved to safety, I want to say, and then moved back to linebacker. I could be wrong with where he moved when. Nonetheless, um, at one point in 2020, he was an All Big 12 honorable mention pick as a linebacker. So then the the Lance Leipold staff arrives and they moved him to defensive end. And he wound up with eight and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks on the season. I think that Craig Young is better in coverage and more of a true linebacker than Kyron Johnson maybe ever was. Um, to where I'm not expecting Craig Young to move to defensive end. But on passing plays, on third down and seven, would it shock you if they said, hey, we're going to take Craig Young out as great as he is in coverage for a linebacker, we could move him to defensive end and bring in an actual defensive back to fill his spot at linebacker or basically be a nickel back dime whatever it is maybe i could see that i think happening. At that wouldn't you just wouldn't you just blitz him at that point though fair question i mean it, it maybe <laughs> what if you only want to rush four though and he's one of your what if he's one of your best pass rushers i mean he again he was second on the team in sacks last year yeah i get maybe i i was going more along the lines of like listen there's been a lot of talk about your secondary. Kobe Bryant is a all-first-team Big 12-level guy. Melo Dotson could, is a reliable player. Kalen Gervin's solid in the slot. You have Kenny Logan and OJ Burroughs over the top. Why not trust those guys one-on-one -on -one and just send everyone? No, you could. Just send just, you know Craig you Young, uh, all those guys. Mm -hmm. Rich Miller, yeah, Alan yeah, Barrio, just, you for just sure send could. everybody. I'm looking. By the way, Kyron Johnson was six one two thirty five. Craig Young six three two twenty five. So it's not like that big of a difference there. I, but I I do think that does make sense because if you if you are only going to bring four guys, and if it, you believe that your corners and safeties are to the level that it, we think they are, and I mean, it gets, you got allows one, them to get more on the field. One guy that's first team All Big Twelve in Kobe Bryant. You have another guy who can be that level in and Kenny Logan. I know his number. He kind of had a, his in terms of his expectations. Maybe last season wasn't as good, but you know he can be at that level. Yeah. If you got O.J. Burroughs, who is the guy that people rave about his coverage all the time, Melo Dotson's very reliable, Kalen Gervin's reliable, put those guys to the test. Say, hey, listen, if it's third and six, third and seven, third and eight, we're just going to send everyone 
and it's up to you guys. But see, there can... are going to be sometimes you can't blitz every play. Well, cause I eventually... understand that. Because then they'll just figure it out. Yeah, and and that's where I think it does come in. Where yeah, there could be a third and eight where they're just like, we're only going to rush four, but we're going to move Craig Young to defensive end. He's one of our best pass rushers, and we're going to bring in Demarius McGee for his spot, and it'll give us an extra coverage guy. I think there's a lot you can do with that, and I'm excited to see what his role and and what he can do this season. Because uh, I I think he's a very talented player. Five is also yeah. the jersey number of Doug Emelian and OJ Burrows. Yeah, I love O.J. Burroughs, man. I, I think he's a really, really solid player, and I hope that he gets a chance to shine even more this year. I think he's a, he was a guy that last year was like sneakily really, really solid to really, really good and maybe didn't get enough praise or talked he about He was your enough. best coverage safety, in my yes. opinion. And I think he will probably be that again this yeah. year. Yeah, I think Kenny Logan was probably your best all-around safety. Marvin Grant was your best box safety, and then O.J. Sure. was your best coverage. Marvin guy. Grant was definitely the best at just – yeah, I'm gonna hit he's basically you. a linebacker. I'm gonna I'm gonna go hit yes. you. I'm gonna go hit you really hard. Which uh, you need those guys. You need the <laughs> football is a physical sport. There still is. No, uh, you need a, you tactic, need a couple right? guys on your team that are just gonna be like, I am going to hit you. Yeah, no, it's like uh, remember T.J. Ward for like the Browns and the Broncos. <laughs> yes. That guy, he would get burnt in coverage every so often, but like <laughs> he would just nail people, and then you'd be afraid to go across the middle. That is important to have that. O.J. Burrows, yeah, I I really like him. I could I could see him turning into like. Mm, if we're doing favorites to lead the team in interceptions this year, number one's clearly Kobe Bryant. Yep. I think number two for me is, is O.J. Burrow. I mean, Kenny Logan's good Could at be. getting re- interceptions too, but Burroughs is just a ball hawk, man. Um, and then uh, Doug Emelian. He's, ex- I feel like he's kind of a wild card. Like, what, How much is he going to get involved with the offense? Because I, I think you felt like he was going to be more of, an, more of an impact guy last year, and it just never really came to fruition. Caught a touchdown in the Liberty Bowl. Fair, fair. Is he trending in the right direction? Could he be receiver number four, where he's the first receiver coming in yeah. when Luke Graham instead or of a, somebody else? Instead yeah. of a Trevor Wilson, instead of a Kevin Terry, instead of a, you know, could that be him? Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sold on that yeah. idea. but Beauty I think of him, he though, be, he's still only a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. And he used his free transfer to come from Minnesota. That's a double bonus for you. Uh, last one we have here, five and a half is the amount of yards per carry Jalen Daniels averaged last year. Do you think that would increase this year? I think the... I guess, okay, kind of more extrapolating on that. Like, how many t- how many times per game do we actually think Dylan Daniels is going to carry the ball? Yeah, I mean, the number, the yards per carry might go up because the... If the, he doesn't carry as many times, might be less. but it's more... Effective. It's more of an efficiency thing. Yeah. It's, it's like he's really only running it when he absolutely has to. As opposed to maybe sometimes last year he took it upon himself at certain times. I don't know. Because I, yeah. I go back to the interview with had with him, and you know, sounds like that is kind of a bigger thing for KU this year is that they don't want him taking unnecessary hits, which makes but sense. But if if that aspect of the game, the option game, is so effective, I think it's you hard have not to. to exactly. Then again, what if this number goes down because you are avoiding hits, and so you're sliding a little earlier, you're going out of bounds a little earlier before getting those hits? That's fine. Yeah. No. I mean, listen, running as a quarterback at any level. There's that aspect to it. Is as a quarterback, you got to understand if it's second and eight, and you're on the run, and you can get six yards, or you can maybe try to lower your shoulder and get the first down. Sometimes it's a little better just get six yards and you know line mm-hmm. up for third and two. Yeah, it's it's knowing your situations. If yeah. it's third and eight, you might have to lower your shoulder. If it's exactly. first down, live for another down. Right. Exactly. Yes. That's part of playing the position, knowing uh, when to be smart, when to do X or Y. All right, we're gonna take a uh, timeout here. Uh, KU landed their first commit for the class of 2025. It is a quarterback. We're going to discuss it next on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN. 
Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Of course, if you miss any of our show, whenever, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You can also find that at uh, kusports.com now. Henry Greenstein, the uh, sports editor and KU beat writer from the LJ World, kusports.com, joins us now on the show. Henry, thanks for hopping on. You just wrote a piece about how shooting guard is going to be the position to watch during the trip to Puerto Rico. We got to talk to Nick Timberlake today as a uh, media veil. Obviously, there there's some other options that KU could go with. Why do you think that position is the one with the most intrigue for KU here uh, in the offseason and the trip to Puerto Rico? I mean, I may be being somewhat naive about this, but it seems it seems to me that the other four are are so locked down they're not even worth discussing, right? I mean, you got Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, and KJ Adams all coming back. Plus, you get possibly the best player in transfer portal history in Hunter Dickinson. So there's one more spot to go, and to me, it feels like that spot. Now, you know, maybe the terminology isn't quite as strict in self system, but to me, it seems like that's what you traditionally call a shooting guard. And there's a lot of interesting options contending for it. And as I outlined in that article, I think that we could see Nick Timberlake, we could see Arterio Morris, and it's possible that at some point, uh, Elmarco Jackson could even slip into that spot. Yeah, uh, that that's I guess uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I was Nick Timberlake to start when he transferred over. A team needs shooting an experienced player at some point. I kind of shifted over to Arterio Morris. Um, I don't know now. Now maybe El Marco Jackson is that the way? To, uh, is this something that that you expect to actually be nailed down by the start of the season, or, or does it feel like something that could just change over the course of the year? I definitely think it's something we'll see them tinker with. Um, I I think I'm still leaning a little bit in the Timberlake direction, if only because I feel that the shooting and the the five previous years of collegiate experience he provides. Uh, could be valuable, especially in late-game situations. Um, so I'm leaning a little bit in the Timberlake direction. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if during the, the weaker part of the non-conference slate, we see Self and his staff uh, try out a few different lineups. I, I think with Jackson, I think we'll definitely see him come in and provide a boost of energy off the bench, possibly at point guard for Dewan Harris when, when he's out. But... I wouldn't be surprised at all if he shows so much they have to find a way to squeeze him into the starting lineup at some point, basically. Yeah. In terms of the roster that's going to be going down to Puerto Rico, Bill Self talked it you know, today that uh, don't really have any injuries to scholarship players, at least as of now. There are a couple to walk-on players, but overall it's, it's not an overly deep roster, just 10 scholarship players in total for the team. Um, do you think that uh, this is something where – I don't know, they're going to experiment a lot with the lineups that are in Puerto Rico, or do you think they're not really going to be able to just because they don't really have the bodies? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I think part of it depends on the level of com- competition they do face, which has been the big talking point around this trip, you know, like just how much of the the Bahamas national team is really going to be composed of the big-name NBA players that people have been citing. And, I mean, for those of you who haven't heard about it, it's like Buddy Heald, Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson's brother Michael, DeAndre Ayton, Kai Jones, uh, and so on and so on. And it just – I discovered today that the Bahamas national team is supposed to play three separate colleges on that same day. So they must be doing some sort of split squad. Um, so I don't think – 
my suspicion is that when people uh, tune into those games on the radio, they may find that it's not quite the star-studded lineup that they uh, expect. And so this all comes back to the fact that I think we'll see more backups rotate in if it's not the, the star-studded kind of lineup that people have come to expect, and that could produce more variation in what we see in Puerto Rico. How do you evaluate then what we're about to see uh, based on the competition, like either way, if it's guys you don't really know about or if it's guys that, yeah, they are pros to where if Kansas were to lose, you know, by 25 points to a team with all those guys, uh, that probably wouldn't be taken that bad just because that that is a bunch of, you know, really good pro players. Is this something where you just kind of throw the team performance out the window and, and you're more so just looking for how certain individuals play? Yeah, I kind of would look at it in terms of individuals or pairings. You know, we heard all about Kevin McCullough today. I had heard that he was uh, that, that he was significantly improved, but to hear Bill Self call him like definitely the best player on the team right now, certainly the most improved player in the offseason, and kind of compare him to to Osayabaji and Jalen Wilson after they went through draft process the first time certainly kind of puts a spotlight on him going down to Puerto Rico. And then I alluded to pairings. You know, I'll be looking at that. The Juan Harris Hunter Dickinson combination, the one that was uh, discussed earlier this summer when we talked about that conversation uh, they had when Hunter said he was coming there about how, uh, you know, he better average a certain number of assists or whatnot and how DeWan was a player who's most excited to play with. So, yeah, I think if it's a game where they're, they're completely steamrolling the opposition, they have won 33 straight exhibitions, or a game where they find themselves falling behind, you can still. And this is just most preseason sports. Just try to hone in on, on a few areas of interest, I guess. Well, I, I know one will be uh, what's going to be the role of Arteria Morris because there, there are certain things off the court that uh, I guess could possibly impact that. So let's go over to this because uh, I guess, you know, beyond on the court stuff, there was a lot of literal court stuff this week. Uh, starting with Arteria Morris, you detailed about some of the stuff that's going on, the latest in that case. I am so bad at, at understanding all the different things that attorneys and lawyers try to do and, and what this means and deferments and whatever, all that sort of stuff. Uh, how would you best explain what is happening in the Arterio Morris case right now? Yeah, it's challenging for all of the sports reporters whenever we have yeah. to go outside of our comfort zone. I think a lot of it is just consulting other people in your newsroom who have expertise in, in these areas. But anyway, so on Monday there was an affidavit of non-prosecution filed by the, the complainant in, in Morris's misdemeanor assault case, which uh, dates back to June 2022 before he even started at Texas. Now, I think a lot of people, when they saw that, immediately assumed this meant, okay, the case is over, they're going to they're gonna settle now, or it's going to be dismissed or whatever. But the, uh, the Denton County, Texas DA's office told me they intend to continue pursuing the case, even with the initial complainant having sort of said that they don't really want to anymore, because that's what the affidavit of non-prosecution means. But the, the DA's office is well within their rights to continue doing so, which is basically the statement that uh, Morris's lawyer gave to me. And the, the my contact in the office, that the first assistant district attorney, Jamie Beck, basically said that uh, a new trial date could potentially be set for October. So we're talking about something that a lot of people thought was about to fully end that could potentially stretch on a bit longer uh, if the parties don't come to some sort of settlement. Okay, so a couple follow-ups to that. The first one being, if the case does end up going through and it happens in October, 
don't know, could it get pushed back again? Could this have an impact, do you think, on his ability to be on the court at the start of the season? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I want to speculate too vigorously in that domain, but I, because I, I feel like if you got up to October, at that point, either you have, from, I don't know exactly which perspective this is coming from, but I don't know that you'd want to have that go on into the season because then you've got to get continuance after continuance to delay it further. So I think maybe that time people could finally see one way or the other uh, it get resolved. But, yeah, I don't exactly know what they're going to do when it gets to that point or if it even will get there. Because as far as I can tell, they haven't set an official date yet. So, I mean, anything's possible between now and then. Well, I guess why would, and again, this might be, I don't know, not up your alley, as I said, as you said, it's, uh, it's you know, sticky anytime we have to report on, like, real news stuff. Um, but in regards to, I guess, them trying to basically, I don't know, it, it almost sounds like plea deal or, or for whatever reason that they would try to come to this agreement that they wouldn't actually go to trial anymore, why would the, I guess, district court, continue to pursue it if both parties are okay just kind of pulling off well my understanding is that uh in in a lot of cases that involve this sort of violence i i, I believe that uh in texas assault causing bodily injury to a loved one does include dating relationships my understanding is that in in a significant proportion of cases like this there is an affidavit non prosecution filed um, complainants can do that for any number of reasons, but a lot of them still end up going through the trial. I'm not exactly sure what evidence the district attorney's office plans to bring forward, but they must have some level of witnesses or documentation that they feel can back up their case, even in the absence of the compliance of the person who initially kind of wanted to bring the charge to begin with. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that unfolds, just as everyone else will. Or if it even unfolds at all, because like I said, they could just at any point decide they don't want to do it anymore. But it was a little surprising to see it continue past this week. Well, I mean, is is there like a date at this point where it's like by this date X would happen, like even before the October trial? Or is this just something that is almost just, I don't know, uh, continuously running? And, you know, in two weeks it could stop, in a month it could stop, it could go. Like, is there no real deadline at this point? Yeah, I have to, I mean, this was already, I believe, the third order for motion on continuance, so the third delay in this trial. I don't see any reason why they couldn't just keep delaying it repeatedly. Um, as far as I know, and I am checking now, I don't think there's been any official date set since earlier this week. Yeah, so still the latest, the latest thing on the list of actions is just the cancellation of the jury trial date, which is going to be the second. So, yeah. Nothing on the calendar right now. It's anyone's guess as to when they will put another date down. The other big, uh, I guess, court news from the week, the Joe Krause situation, offensive lineman for KU who uh, called in the bomb threat. Any idea about what kind of went down there, what was the cause of it, or or what kind of led to this happening? Unfortunately, I, I don't have much insight to offer there. I... Um, you know, he, he's facing a charge of, ag- of aggravated threat now. Um, our our reporter, Matt Resnick, who is also not our normal court reporter, did a great job filling in and going to that hearing and filling us in on there. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't have any more clarity as to what the next step will be there. Um, obviously, if you're the Kansas football program, not the kind of thing you want to experience, like 
a week before camp is set to start. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some questions asked about it on uh, the first day of camp, which is Tuesday. Would you be surprised if Joe Krause ever played football for KU again? Yes, I would be extremely surprised. And uh, what's I, I know the charge, It is that something where it's most likely he is going to go to jail? At the, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's hard to tell because you're not you know a judge or, or jury or anything like that. But uh, yeah, like is, is this real that he could go to jail? Is that something where, uh, I don't know, if it, if it were just like a prank gone wrong, that obviously doesn't make it okay, but that like the KU staff could, I don't know, talk on his behalf? I, I don't know. Uh, what what other details about this this story do you kind of have and, and how kind of a weird situation it is? Yeah, so I mean, for one thing, the charging document that we got related to Joe Krause uh, mentioned a couple employees of the Kansas Athletic Department and the Mass Street Collective as witnesses. So that's an interesting, complicating factor. Mm. I'm not sure exactly how they'll be compelled to share their perspective or if they will at all. Um, another thing is that so the if he's convicted, that could result in between 31 months and more than 11 years in prison and or a fine of up to $300,000 as well as two years of post-release supervision. I was just reading that from the article. So, yeah. Very, very severe charge he's facing. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the legal defense is in a case like this. I have to think that saying it was just a joke probably doesn't cut it, as with uh, most crimes that people <laughs> get, get accused of. But, yeah, severe, severe stuff that uh, Joe Krause now finds himself in. All right, well, uh, you can check out all of Henry's great work on, on both of those cases with Arterio Morris and uh, with Joe Krause, as well as everything else going on right now from K football recruiting to the Puerto Rico trip, Colorado leaving the Pac-12, rejoining the, the Big 12. Anything else you want to plug or, or uh, talk about that you got going on right now with KUSports.com, Henry? No, I'm just excited that we now have this partnership with you guys to put up your uh, best of podcast on there, and uh, likewise for you guys to, to take advantage of some of our news reporting. I mean, I'm always excited when we get to work with other outlets. So yeah, check that out as well. Yep, love working with you guys and uh, Henry. I appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to uh, we're going to make this more regular. I think coming up on uh, Wednesdays starting next week. So look forward to talking to you more and more as the uh, year goes on here. All right, thank you very much. That was Henry Greenstein. You can find all his work in the Lawrence Journal world and at KUSports.com. And uh, thank you to Henry for hopping on the show. Uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you make of that, Nick? Like, what do you, what do you make about some of the Arterio Morris stuff, I think, specifically? Because with, with the Joe Krause stuff, as it pertains to KU, you heard him say, like, he would be shocked if, if he played again for KU football. It, that becomes more about just, like, a legality thing. With Arterio Morris, there are some possible repercussions based on how that goes. Yeah, I thought Henry did a good job of illuminating the situation as it pertains to like the dates and stuff. And and again, uh, I have a little a little experience with this to where I'm maybe a little bit more knowledgeable than just like the everyday person. And in my experience, I thought Henry did a great job of explaining it. Which is in cases like this, the the there when it comes to like dates of stuff of like a final date, those just don't exist because you can hypothetically just keep filing to continue or to delay or to reschedule or whatever, like. And on top of that, when it comes to two parties agreeing to a settlement or some kind of deal, that can literally occur at any moment, any time. They could be five minutes from the start of whatever their scheduled jury trial was, and it's done if they come to a settlement deal. It can happen at any time, at any moment. So it's it's it literally is just sort of this ongoing situation that uh, you know it, it just keeps going. And 
I think that's very interesting because the longer that it remains clouded like this and the longer that it remains just kind of open-ended as to when it could be done, I, I think that's probably worse for, like, from the Kansas perspective, right. from Arterio Morris's perspective. Like, uh, I, I mean, again, I don't know. Obviously, we're not we don't have all the information. We're not in those discussions about what they're, you know, what they're trying to do, but that's just kind of how it goes. And I also thought Harry did a great job of also explaining, you know, in these types of cases, especially in domestic cases, this does happen a lot where you see one party may be like, you know what? I, I don't want to relive this. I don't want to go through the trauma of it, or I don't, you know, have the time or energy to, to continue forward with this. But as he, as Henry said, in a lot of those cases, the DA's office, if it's already filed, has the right to go ahead and continue to prosecute with or without the agreements of the the original complaining witness. If they, like Henry said, if they have enough evidence or if they have whatever to consolidate a case that they think is good enough to, to move through, they are well within the right to do that, and they can do that. And it sounds like that may be what's happening in this well, case. Well, doesn't that scare you? I mean, if you're KU. I mean, yeah, it doesn't I, scare me. It doesn't have an impact on me. But Yeah, you know. yeah I mean, it's interesting because I think Henry mentioned it too, like, you would think that would mean that the state or the DA's Feels office like they do have has stuff. enough evidence or witnesses to where they feel like they can move forward, which is interesting. Because uh, otherwise so, they wouldn't have moved or they wouldn't be in this spot, I would assume, unless they're just trying to like slow play them and see if they can get anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think from the state's the perspective, even even if they maybe think they don't have enough, if they think that they can still maybe find you know, something, have some kind of... Between now a, and October? Yeah, I have, don't know. yeah, have some kind of a settlement come to, to where maybe they do end up still something still ends up coming out of it instead of it just going to a trial and him being found not guilty. Right. Uh, you know, maybe they have enough evidence to where they can at least say, Hey, we want to force a settlement of some kind. Right. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I mean, even, even from my perspective, I've had very, very limited experience with this stuff. Uh, and so I, even, I, I feel like I understand it a lot more than some people, but even I barely, no, it's very convoluted and, and difficult. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, that could, that could be problematic if he's having to come and go to different, you know, court situations, is he going to be allowed to go to Puerto Rico? Because if the case is still ongoing, couldn't they hypothetically at any time be like, you need to come back here. Would he have to just fly back at that point? How does this affect if the case is in October? Um, that's when the practices really start to ramp up. Yeah, I think in you terms know, of like night. him going to Puerto Rico or anything like that, I don't think since since they've already canceled it, what was supposed to happen in August, that means that they're not going to have another like official court meeting until October. Basically, but like, are you allowed to if you're in a court case like this? Are you allowed to leave the country? It hasn't. I gone don't to, know. It hasn't, it hasn't gone to trial yet. Okay, so, so I think I the, guess not. The answer would be yes. I think once like they formally See, start everything, I don't know. I, yeah, I know. And I, I don't, listen again. Yeah. I don't fully know either. But once they formally maybe start everything, that would be a situation where maybe he would be required to stay, you know, in his whatever or near where that where it's happening for a certain amount of time. But uh, I'm not. Like I said, I, I feel like I have a little bit more understanding than most people, but even still, I, I, I listen. I'm not a lawyer. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand half the stuff. So. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and I'm sure Henry will have plenty more great reporting that you'll be able to check out at KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got more RCST football trivia next. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have two RCST trivia matchups coming at you today. The first between Eric Hansey, who is a former champion of the basketball event of RCST trivia, but this is first time in football against sixth ranked Justin Nichols, who uh, finished the regular season last year ranked third, I believe, but. Uh, was the top-ranked team not to make the playoff because he didn't win his division, ended up going to a bowl game instead. RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, 
and McDonald's, as well as Mr. D's Auto Wash under the same ownership here in Lawrence. Uh, our second matchup of the day will feature Kyle Martin against the seventh-ranked Aaron Mayer. So uh, should be a couple good ones on the docket for today. RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, catering. They have the outdoor patio for when it's not a billion degrees outside. Uh, try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, Haney Turkey Stack, Hank Booth Burger, any of the other great food menu items. The pub chips are always a crowd pleaser for uh, an appetizer beforehand. Everybody can just munch on some of it with their great ranch. And uh, don't forget, they have their great 23rd Street Brewery beer, which they're always working on, always putting out new beers and stuff. You can get it to go with their Crowlers. I forget if it's Monday or Tuesday night that they have uh, buy two for $10. It's an unbelievable deal. I've, I've done it many times where, you know, even if I, I don't want to drink during the week, I'll pick them up and then boom, by the time we get to Friday, by the time we get to Saturday, it's like I uh, found myself a, a present um, in the fridge and I didn't have to go anywhere for it because I, I thought ahead. I, I thanked future me. So you can do that as well with uh, 23rd Street Brewery. Anyway, let's get into the matchup. Eric Hansey is a newcomer into football trivia, but he has been a past champion in basketball. He is one of our greatest basketball contestants ever in RCST trivia. Justin Nichols has been one of our best ever basketball contributors as well. Uh, but last year, he came close to winning it all, uh, third ranked at the end of the regular season. Unfortunately, we only had the four division winners make it last year. So this year, playoff works a little bit differently. The eight division winners and the next four best make it. Uh, but Justin Nichols this year, back with vengeance, sixth ranked in our preseason rankings. Justin, I want to start with you here. Uh, what do you think about preseason number six? Do you like having the ranking there, no pressure, no diamonds, or, or do you not like having the, the lofty expectations? It'd be, it'd be awesome to be off the radar again. You know, that's that's where I like to sit is uh, below the radar. But, uh, you know, I think I did well last year. So I'll, I'm happy to happy to be uh, back involved in this again. KU football is my real passion. KU basketball is fun, but KU football is my passion. So I'm, I'm loving that we're getting back towards the season and ready to get back into this again, too. Eric, uh, for you, you, you decided to join football this year. I think uh, on the tweet you sent us to, to get registered, you said, uh, I'm ready to embarrass myself or something along those lines. Um, is this something that, I don't know, it, like, like compared to basketball, it's it's just not the same, your, your level of knowledge and, and what you're ready to do today? Yeah, certainly not going to be the same. Um, yeah, speaking of radar, I'm probably not even close to getting close to on a radar for this, but... Uh, yeah, I think for basketball, it's just, you know, much more stat based, which is kind of how I grew up with baseball and KU basketball is alongside of that. I have enjoyed KU football and uh, season ticket holder and all that stuff, but certainly maybe not as versed in kind of the historical stats and who ranks where. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I have really no uh, expectations and facing off against number six is certainly a, a great trial by fire. Okay, well, uh, I will let you call the coin toss, heads or tails here, to decide who goes first or second. What would you like, Eric? Uh, let's go heads. All right. Heads it is. It came up heads, so you have the choice. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? You know, I never got to go second in basketball, so I'll, I'll take that advantage and go second here. That is funny how that works out. All right, uh, so second for you, Eric, and Justin. That means you'll start things off. We're going to start in the first quarter of play. These are the easy questions. They are worth three points. Justin, for you. This Kansas head coach from 2002 to 2009 is part of the Kansas Athletics Hall of Fame. Mark Mangino. Mark Mangino, the right answer. And uh, 
You know, it is interesting and the way that things ended. Now part of the Kansas Athletics Hall of Fame, but I think OKU fans would say that's the right thing to do there. All right, Eric, your first question to try to tie us at the end of the first quarter and get on the board here of your football trivia debut. This 1981 All Big Eight guard is now the color commentator for the Jayhawk Radio Network's football broadcasts and a frequent guest on RCST. What's his name? David Lawrence. That is right. When you when you heard 1981 guard, you were probably like, "Why is this in the easy?" But uh, once the the rest of the question came out, that's why. Okay. Yep. Okay, we're going to move on to the medium question. Uh, These are worth six points. It's tied three to three. Back to you, Justin. How many Big 12 games, so Big 12 conference games, did Kansas win in the 2013 season, which was year number two of the Charlie Weiss era? How many Big 12 games did we win? Yes. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I want to say, I think three. Three was the, I believe, total amount of wins. The correct answer is one. They only won one Big 12 game. Um, I can't remember if it was Iowa State or West Virginia because they beat them one of the years and, and then one of the others they beat in uh, yeah. like 2014. Okay, so just like that, Eric, you have a chance to take the lead into the uh, halftime locker room here. Eric, your question. How many Big 12 games, so again, just conference games, did Kansas win in the 2017 season, which was year number three of the David Beatty era? That's either zero or one. Um, You said 2017? Correct. Let's go zero. Zero is the right answer. It was uh, one for the Weiss one, and it was zero for the David Beatty era. All right, you take a 9-3 to three lead, headed into the third quarter of play, second half adjustments. We'll see what you come out with here, Justin. This hard question is worth seven to put you back in the lead. All right, Justin, Kansas lost 24-10 to 10 to Missouri in 2011 after they got up 10 to nothing and then gave up 24 unanswered points. They did, though, in the game, intercept Missouri quarterback James Franklin three times. Name one of the three players to record an interception for KU in that game. You said in 2011? Yes. Um, DeCorey Shepard. Corey Shepard is incorrect. The correct answers are Bradley McDougald, Tyler Patman, or Greg Brown. I think McDougald probably the most noteworthy one there. All right, Eric, if you can hit this question, you secure your uh, football trivia debut victory here. Your hard question. Kansas won 37-34 over Texas Tech in 2019 after falling behind 17-0. Two Jayhawks tied for the team lead with seven tackles. Name one of them. Jeez. 2019. Ten seconds. Gavin Potter on that team. I'll go Gavin Potter. 
Gavin Potter is one of the correct answers. He tied for the team lead with Devon Ferguson, who are the two answers there. Potter was a linebacker. Ferguson was a DB. And just like that, Eric, you have clinched a Week 1 victory. You are now tied for the most points of anyone who has scored in Week 1. It's been a bit of a lower-scoring week with 16 of them. Uh, we're going to head to the really hard round, though. Points do matter. Points matter for tiebreakers. Points matter for... You know, not just tiebreaker in the division, but tiebreakers in uh, making it as an at-large. So these are important. The really hards, though, have been incredibly hard in week one. They'll get a little more gettable in week two, but we've tried to make it fair for everyone here in week one. All right, Justin, your question here, worth eight points. Name this Jayhawk who was all Missouri Valley Conference in 1909 and 1910. Uh, Charlie Black. <laughs> the correct answer is... Is Ellis Davidson. Ellis uh, Davidson. That was my next guess. Ah, oh, man. So <laughs> Almost had it. Almost had it. Next time. Okay, Eric, see if you can be the first one to have a perfect score this year. Name this Jayhawk who was all Missouri Valley Conference in 1910 and 1911. Gee, any Christmas. Uh,. <laughs> Charlie Black. <laughs> the correct answer is Earl Ammons. Earl Ammons, the right one there. But that is a heck that of a... That was my second guess. Yep. <laughs> you guys, man, both of you guys, just very good there. Uh, that's that is a heck of a trivia debut. It's you and uh, Blake Farrell who have 16 points. Those are the only two who were able to get 16 through week one. So, um, you know, you, you talked about that you, you were worried about your football performance, but you got to be pretty happy with how this went, right? Yeah, first time I think Gavin Potter's been done anything productive for me. So uh, <laughs> pulling that name out of you know what certainly helped. But uh, yeah, these are in some intimidating questions. I, I'm going to probably have to study a little bit more if I uh, want to keep getting lucky, which is really probably what two of those answers were. Well, if you would have got the the reverse of the questions, because you ended up picking <laughs> second, you said that was a big thing. You actually got to pick second this time. Um, if yeah. you would have got the Charlie Weiss one, if you would have got the uh, interception one on Missouri, would you have gotten either one of those right? Not on the not on the Missouri one. Um, Charlie Weiss, I, same thing. I probably would have guessed between zero and one, and and uh, been a coin toss. Uh, Justin, had the questions been reversed for you, would you have hit either the David Beatty one or the Texas Tech one? I would have gotten the Beatty one. I would not have gotten the mm -hmm. Texas Tech one. That would have uh, that neither of those guys <laughs> would have ever crossed my mind. So uh, no, I would I would have lost either way. Um, but uh, I think the you know, when you do your rankings this week, Eric, uh, Eric ought to be taking at least my place, if not higher, for sure. Um, and uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself for not remembering. Uh, the Charlie Weiss one was dumb, uh, and that was that's that's on me for being an idiot. But um, but everyone knows Charlie Weiss never won three conference games. That was that was that was stupid. But um, you know, the, Eric Eric definitely deserved to win today. Well, uh, the the beauty of this one is that you have more in front of you. So I, I guess that's the negative for you, Eric. You got to keep backing it up for Justin. Now you will be under the radar, and, and you'll still have two more matchups to try to work your way back into the playoff picture, guys. I appreciate both of you. Uh, appreciate both of you joining this stuff uh, really every time, and uh, this year again. So uh, thank you for doing that, and we'll see both of you next week. Awesome. Thanks, Good Eric. Luck, Eric. Yep, you too, Justin. It has not been a good week to be ranked i feel like i guess that's that's not the case for everyone um and it's not you know but typically you would think and i don't know uh i, I guess typically you would think that you know there there obviously are always going to be losses to ranked teams but we've had 
Number three lose, technically by forfeiture, but still. Number four lose, number five lose, now number six lose, number eight lose, and um, number nine lose, although nine was playing another top ten team. Nonetheless, uh, we still have Aaron Mayer going next, who's seventh. So at the very least, we have six of our top ten losing this week. And I guess part of that, too, is that I guess every matchup is a top 25 matchup, if you think about it, because we have 24 contestants. So it doesn't become as crazy when you think about it that way. It's like every matchup basically is a second round sizzling 16 matchup from basketball when you whittle it down to this many competitors, which makes every matchup more of a coin toss, makes every matchup tough. The football one in general is just very difficult. It is very hard and it can be an equalizer with the questions. Um, I'll say this, though, Eric, very impressive here in week one and um you know, that, that's super impressive, but uh, I, I think it becomes interesting and it leaves some some spots open because in the case, not just of Justin here, but this happened, I believe, to Ben. I believe it happened to Kyle, like top 10 teams who did really well last year who didn't just lose in week one. They only scored three points, uh, but this has been a lower scoring week one. So you're all those teams are going to have time to make up for it, but it certainly puts you with a a thinner margin for error in trying to make it back to the playoff. Now there's there's ways that uh, plenty of ways that everybody can make the playoff. If you lost your divisional round matchup in the first uh, matchup, you can win your second divisional matchup and hope that the person that beats you loses, and then it's a three way tie. All teams are one and one have beat each other, and it goes down to total points. You can also, if you win your final two, you win your other divisional matchup, and you win your non-conference, get to two and one, you'll have a chance to make it as an at-large into the 12-team playoff. So uh, down but not out for uh, some of these contestants, but it definitely means we're going to have a gigantic shakeup in our top 10 rankings uh, as part of RCST Trivia for next week. RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. Check out Jayhawk Trophy located on 6th Street in Lawrence. They have all your custom awards from trophies to medals to plaques, and they are engraving experts to get you whatever you need done on whatever you need. If it's a trophy, if it's a perpetual award, if it's one of those plaques, if it's, you know, just anything you need engraved, even like the the tumblers that they're providing for uh, RCST Trivia, check them out in Lawrence again with Jayhawk Trophy. For Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back for uh, another matchup between Kyle Martin and Aaron Mayer coming up for RCST Football Trivia on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got one more trivia matchup today. It is Kyle Martin versus seventh ranked Aaron Mayer. And uh, it's been tough sliding, tough sliding so far for the top 10 teams. Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. What do you think here? Upset alert or what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I Kyle obviously is another one of those guys that was really strong in, in basketball. And, uh, you know, he's part of the study group also. So that probably gives him a little bit of a leg up, you'd think. But. I know for a fact that Aaron's a formidable opponent. Now, if you remember, Aaron kind of went out on a bit of a brain fart question in the RCST basketball mm-hmm. tournament earlier this year. I think it was like Paul Pierce or Rafe LaFrance, yeah, something so like that. I, yep. think, I, I suspect that he's going to be more locked in for this one. I think I think this is going to be a, a very interesting matchup. These are, two, these are two guys that know their stuff, right? We've had some matchups where in this first week with some newcomers where we weren't really 100% sure what to expect. This one, you've got two guys that are veterans, that are experienced, that uh, hopefully can put on a good show. Yes. So uh, with that being said, before we get into the matchup, 
One of our trivia sponsors is Johnny's Tavern. I'm actually wearing my Johnny's Tavern hat today, and they are celebrating their 70th anniversary, which means you're going to be having all sorts of great specials coming your way. There are now 13 locations for whatever your neighborhood local Johnny's is, all the way from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. Obviously, the original location in North Lawrence is uh, part of the the beloved Lawrence community here. You can eat the Nuke Lelouch pizza, the Buffalo Chicken Dip, Wilson Wings, the Johnny Wilson Burger, whatever you want. It's all great. And try the new ice-cold beer, the Blue Collar. Lager beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. Into our second matchup, Kyle Martin, seventh ranked Aaron Mayer is our matchup here. Second trivia matchup, final matchup of week one. And then uh, next week we'll get on to week two of the season. This is a divisional matchup as well. Um, Lane Gillespie already went in this division. He had a non conference matchup. So whoever wins this will be in first of the division uh, coming up here. Uh, Kyle, I want to start with you. You made it all the way to the Phenomenal Four in basketball earlier this past year. Uh, but obviously football, a different animal. I don't know. Do you, do you feel good about your, your prospects here? Do you like not having expectations with no preseason ranking? I, I don't feel good about anything uh, about to happen in football trivia as it's well documented. We, we study. We put a lot of effort in on the basketball side. To say that we've done the same in football would be a a gross uh, misrepresentation of the preparation. So if I want a trophy like you see over there on my left shoulder in football, we're going to have to get a little luck. And I don't know if it's going to come today against Aaron, who beat me, I think, in the first ever uh, KU football trivia matchup last year. But we'll see. Well, Aaron, uh, having that past success, does that make you feel more confident today? And, and thoughts on your preseason ranking of number seven? Uh, I think I started seven last year and uh, winning the bowl game at the end of the last season, too. I, I'm fine with being in the top, top ten. Uh, probably don't deserve it. I feel like Kyle's going to get me today. Uh, he's probably been chomping the bit to get back at me from last year. Uh, it took a perfect game for me last year to beat him, so I'm probably... Well, that's not going to happen this year with that. Those are really hard questions. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see if I can knock one out. I, I did know Wade Stinson earlier in the week. Okay. So you were one of the other. I guess wow. Kyle uh, Isaac said he knew Wade Stinson because he was studying with you. Did you remember Wade Stinson? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he he messaged me that uh, when he was done, and I was like, "Yeah, I know we talked about this." And he was like, "Yeah, I studied when I was studying with you." I said, "Oh, if you say so." <laughs> you know, I, well, it's too uh, bad that one so. didn't come up for you, Aaron. Unfortunately, today. All right. Well, uh, uh, Aaron, I'm going to go ahead and give you the the option on the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Heads. All right, heads it is. And it is heads. So uh, you won the toss. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, let's go first. Okay. That means Kyle will be up second. We'll start in the first quarter of play. These are the easy questions, and they are worth three points. Aaron, or I'm sorry, Kyle. Kyle, uh, you're up first. Um, sure. I think I'm sorry. I just completely. <laughs> nope. You're fine. I messed Dude. that up. I wrote it down wrong. Turn on the sheet. It's my in. fault. It's my fault. All right. I have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. here. All right, Aaron, your first question in the easy round. Three points. Name this 2022 Jayhawk safety who will wear the number one jersey once again this season as he did last year. Kenny Logan. Yep. Kenny Logan, one of the uh, more notable players for KU football over the last couple of seasons. All right, Kyle, your first question. Name this 2022 Jayhawk running back who will wear the number four jersey this season as he did last year. Devin Neal. 
That's right. Devin Neal, also one of the more notable KU players, all Big 12 preseason first team. All right, 3-3, three to three, tie score as we get through the first quarter of play into the second quarter. These are the medium questions. They're worth six points. Aaron, in KU's 2009 win over Iowa State, the final win that Mark Mangino had at KU, two Jayhawk defensive backs tied for a team-high 14 tackles. Name one of them. Chris Harris. Mm. It was actually the uh, two safeties. Daryl Stuckey was the big one, and then uh, Justin Thornton, if you remember him as well. Those are the two answers on that one. Okay, Kyle, you got a chance to uh, take the lead into the halftime locker room here. Your question. In KU's 2014 win over Iowa State, two Jayhawks ran for over 100 yards. Name one of them. Uh, we'll go with, uh, 2014. James Sims? You would think the correct answer, though, was Tony Pearson or Corey Avery. Corey Avery with a bit of a surprising one there. All right, three to three. We're all tied up. We're headed into the third quarter. Second half of play. This is the hard round. They are worth seven points. Back to you, Aaron. Wearing the number 99 jersey. This Jayhawk tied for the team lead in 2005 with eight and a half sacks to go with a team best 20 and a half tackles for loss. That's Tim Allen. It's not Tim Allen. The correct answer is Charlton Keith. Charlton Keith. That name rings a bell. All right, Kyle, your question to take the lead into the really hard round. Wearing the number 47 and number 90 jerseys at different points throughout his career, this Jayhawk led the 2007 Orange Bowl team with three and a half sacks. Um, is it Russell Borson? That was a good guess. Good D lineman in that era. The correct answer is Max Onyeg Boule. Mm, yep. All right. Well, if uh, one of you can can pull an Isaac and hit a really hard, then uh, we could have a winner here. Otherwise, we could have overtime. So that would be fun. Okay, Aaron, your really hard question worth eight points. This Jayhawk punter. Led the conference in yards per punt in 1939. Uh, <laughs> you know, I studied up on some uh, punters. I, I felt really good when you started out. but mm. uh, I don't want to say a name and give one to Kyle if it's another punter question. <laughs> okay, you're just going to take a default? <laughs> no, let me think. Let me think. <laughs> Ten seconds. Davidson. Correct answer is Frank Bucati. All right, Kyle, if you can uh, pull off the the last second play here on the Hail Mary, you can get a uh, 
Very emphatic and dramatic win here. Your question. This Jayhawk punter led the conference in yards per punt in 1944. Ray Evans. <laughs> How about yeah, that's that's right in the range. He could have been punting. Uh, Leroy Robinson. Leroy Robinson is the correct answer on that one. Okay, that means we're going to overtime, which this will be our second overtime matchup here of uh, week one of RCST Trivia. These are always fun. So a uh, reminder on how the rules work. You guys are going to go back and forth. We'll, we'll flip the coin. I had Aaron guess last time. I'll have Kyle guess it this time. Um, and whoever wins the toss will decide if they want to go first or second. Uh, whoever goes first picks the category they want to answer in. If they get it wrong, second person, all they got to do is answer in easy. If they get it right, second person can either try to tie them or uh, answer a harder question to go for the win. So, uh, Kyle, what do you want on the coin? Heads or tails? Heads. It is heads. I think we've had all heads today. All right, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go second. Okay, so we're going to stick with our normal order. It will alternate if we go to second overtime, that it'll flip around. That means, Aaron, you're up first and you have the decision. What category do you want to answer a question in? Uh, let's go medium. Okay, medium. For you, Aaron, what senior led the 2019 Kansas Jayhawks in tackles with 72 of them? Ten seconds. Deneen. I think Deneen had just graduated a year or two before. The correct answer was Mike Lee. Mike Lee, the uh, hard-hitting safety, came up and came through with the team most tackles. All right, Kyle, do you want to answer a, a hard or really hard for, for bonus points here? Uh. I, I can take the field goal, right, to try to get the win? You can. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, I should probably try that based on my performance in the other three categories so far today. Okay. All right, so you're doing an easy? Yeah, I'll take an easy. All right. Kansas suffered a 35-23 to loss this past season in Waco against who? The Baylor Bears. That is right. That's why it was an easy question, and you come through with a 6-3. to three. This was like that Alabama-LSU game from uh, about a decade plus ago. That game was awesome. <laughs> I think that was 9-6. to six. This is 6-3. to three. So, Aaron, I want to start with you. Uh, what, what question do you look back on and you're most mad at yourself for missing? Uh, that last one, I, I should have known that was Mike Lee. He was one of my favorite players. Um, if it was reversed, though, I would have guessed Corey Avery on his medium question. Mm. And uh, on his hard question... Um, uh, Maxwell Anya Boulay is one of my favorite players as well, so wow. I would have got that too. Not your luck of the draw. Kyle, uh, was there anything that, that you missed that you felt mad at yourself that you missed or, or anything that if it would have been reversed, you would have actually gotten right? I uh, regret not saying Pearson. Mm. He, I was kind of 50-50 and, and thought I'd throw him out, but didn't do that, obviously. Um, that was the only one. I think uh, I wrote down Charlton Keith, so that one, I, I, it's funny, you almost switched this at the beginning. I wrote down Stucky and I wrote down Keith. You might have had a, you might have had a super know, high-scoring matchup. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> we couldn't land correctly there. But, uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. 
like I told you, I didn't prep as much as I probably should have, and I think it showed in the performance today. <laughs> well, you got to win. That's all that matters. Aaron, good news for you is I think we've had six other top 10 teams lose this week, and I think four or five of them only scored three points as well. So uh, this was a hard first week. It was a very hard first week, so you're not out of it. Uh, not only do the division winners make the playoff, but also uh, there will be four at-larges who make the playoff. So both of you guys still with opportunities to move forward and uh, keep pushing ahead. So thank you guys both for joining us, and we'll see you both next week. Cool. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Aaron. So Kyle comes through. Uh, our second overtime game. All right, I have a couple. I, that was just a tough one for Aaron. I have a couple yeah. of questions. First question. Questions about the questions? Yes. On the really hard. Mm-hmm. Is there any relation between Frank Bucati and Nate Bucati? <laughs> um, I don't know. There's also a uh, a Bucati family who is actually very big donors to Baker University. Oh, really? I don't know if that has relation to any of these. I don't know. Huh. Second question. Uh, the second hard, really hard. Punter led the conference in yards per punt in 1944. In 1944, there was a world war going on. <laughs> they're just still playing football? Yeah. People who didn't get drafted. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's why... So like, does that mean that that's a fluke? I don't know. I mean, I guess the competition could have been... Not. Then again, I also... I've, I've read uh, books about um, some of the, the... Like, during World War II football. And they actually had certain college teams that were, like... Basically, battalions of reserves... Oh. Right, so like a Navy reserve team where they were still so like, located in the States. Like literally the Yeah, army so it would be like 25-year-olds who were oh. like in shape and in the Army or Navy or whatever, like playing. So, so, it's, so it, like instead of playing like Navy yeah. college, you're playing literally yes, the Navy. Yes, exactly. Like just to kind of pass the time while you're the reserves and like back. So I don't know, man. It's it's actually interesting. Like maybe okay. the competition's harder. Maybe it's tough. So I, maybe, Leroy was actually, maybe Leroy was actually a good punter? I guess so. But I'm just saying like, like, listen, if there was a world war going on and all the, you know, more athletic guys are off mm-hmm. doing more important things, and you're a, and you average thirty yards per punt. That's good enough for best in the conference because there's no there's no other competition. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't remember what the exact number he he led him with either though. But um, you know, I, I guess kind of a cool thing that happened there. And you know, you had certain players like Ray Evans who went to the war and then came back and resumed yeah. their college career later. So yeah. that's certainly a very interesting time just in the collegiate sports world in general with how that kind of affects things absolutely uh certainly a lower scoring game than than we figured was going to happen I, I think that was the case for a lot of people this week but we're going to make the questions probably a tad bit easier starting for week two so um that'll be interesting once we get to that and i think uh a lot of people will will start to get going once we get to week two all right he's nick springer i'm Derek johnson rcst trivia one of our sponsors mcdonald's and mr d's auto wash located right here in lawrence on sixth street same ownership you can uh, go across the street from one to the other on uh, 6th Street here. But Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. If you missed any of our trivia today or this week, check it out on the Best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts, which you can now find as well on uh, the KU Sports page at KU Sports. Dot com. We've got some uh, Bill Self audio we're going to share with you coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We've also got a KU Football Friday question to get to. Uh, on Monday, by the way, we're going to be joined by Scott Wright from the Oklahoman as we're going to continue on with our early previews of Kansas opponents. Uh, it'll be on Oklahoma State, which is uh, the next one in that regard. Okay, it is uh, time for another wonderful edition of Lie Detector Test where we put people, athletes, commissioners, whatever it is, under the microscope of comments that they made and try to discuss, are they lying or are they not? Correct, yes. And we have a very special edition this week. 
featuring one man. The lie detector test <laughs> today is yes. brought to you by none other than George Klyovkov. Mm-hmm. Or should it be brought to you by the Pac-12 with George Klyovkov? And the Pac-12. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the only person we have on lie detector test this week. So we're going to go through. We there's, have a bunch of different some, quotes There's here, some doozies in here. Which uh, I, I'm excited to get to all these. Okay. First up. From George Klyovkov, who is the Pac-12 commissioner, if you didn't know that already. Quote, this is from uh, Football Media Day, obviously, once you hear this quote. I think it's fair to say that this is the most highly anticipated Pac-12 Football Media Day. Okay, I actually think there's a little bit of truth in this. Because I think it's kind of true, but for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it is very anticipated. Yeah, This is like... It's like uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of a good It's metaphor. like when Tiger Woods like, had his scandal, and then if he were to come out afterwards and be like, you know, when you're like most me, highly anticipated I'm just conference. the most highly anticipated golfer out there, and it's like, yes. well, yes, but yes, or yes. I'm the most talked about golfer right. right now, but it's for all the right. wrong reasons. <laughs> okay, nobody's anticipated for the Pac-12 media day. They they weren't excited about it because of the football. Mm-hmm. They were excited about it because to see what kind of clown show yeah. you were going to put on. And I will give the Pac-12 this. Like actually, football wise, they had a really good conference last year. Uh, they should have a really good conference this year. Like yep. Washington was the top what 12, 15 team last year. USC was Oregon near in the playoff. Utah back. in the Rose Bowl. Oregon was good. Oregon State won you like nine USC's games last gonna year. Be good. Yeah, they they all should be good this. Year. It is a good football conference. I will give it that. But yeah, I mean, also if yeah, you, it'll be a good football conference to watch on the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. Do you think this is any higher of a media day than like when USC though with had like Pete Carroll and they were dominating and they were the talk of everything nationally? I don't know. Well, that, not. I think that brings up a separate conversation though, like because like I don't feel like media days really used to matter that much. That's it true. Feels like they matter more now. That's fair. There's there's just more. There's just maybe more, it's they're more visible now. But then again, yeah, couldn't you argue the that they did more matter immediate. more then? Because now there are so many ways to get in contact with yeah. someone. Back in the day, that well, might have been your only media. chance to interview someone. Yeah, or your only chance to see that. Person. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't see the social media clips and that sort of thing. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, okay. But I, I'm fine if we don't call that a lie. This is Yeah, I'm going to say this is the truth. That's fine. But again, the wrong type of truth. Yes. Okay, here's uh, another comment. What we've seen is the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get. Okay, this is where you start to lose <laughs> me. What do you mean? What? What? The what options? Because right now you're down to the CW, Hallmark Channel, streaming, Nick and Derek Plus, RCST Plus. Those are your options. There's no way this is true. There's zero chance this is true. I just don't. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, it's just a bold-faced lie, and nobody's believing it. Is the other thing, right? Like, it's not even like I. I don't know. Who are you lying to? Who? Yourself? Schools trying to get them not to leave. That one's clearly a lie. I, yeah, I don't know how else to, to dissect that. I mean, there's a, there is no scenario where waiting to do a TV deal has ever been smart, unless it was like a situation where you thought you were going to maybe expand. Which obviously that's not the case with the Pac-12. They are actually the opposite of that. Not they're not expanding. You know, but even the Big 12 was smart about it because they just added the probate clause or whatever to where the money increases when you add school. Mm-hmm. Boom, problem solved. He was asked a question, this is uh, the third one, on the narrative the Pac-12 is falling apart. Quote, I sit in the board meetings and I see the commitment that all of our schools have to each other. I also know where the sources of that is coming from. Wait a second, what? Know where the sources of that is coming from? <laughs> but okay, Does I see the commitment that, that? that all of our schools have to each other. Wait, 
So that's, Colorado that's, was in the Pac-12, right? Yes. They were one of the schools. And they're they not in there no anymore. longer committed to the Pac-12. Well, this is also contradictory because if you – okay, if you say you sit on the board meetings and you know which all that everyone's committed, but then you turn around and say, but I know who is responsible for pe- 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 making people think Is this him blaming not? Brett Yormark? Oh, I think, of course, he's blaming Brett Yormark. I think, of course, he's blaming blaming Brett Yormark. Wouldn't you blame Brett Yormark if you were Pac-12 at this point? I guess, but, you know, this is kind of the Pac-12 zone mess. They... No, I think ones, this is a. I think yeah. it's a free for all in the Pac-12 offices. Of I who, think so. who yeah. can we blame? That's not our. That's that, so that it's not our fault. Yeah. Of us collapsing. That one's clearly a lie. Obviously proven wrong by Colorado leaving. Um, here's the fourth one. I could have spent all of the last year getting into a he said he said on every single rumor that's been passed about our conference. We decided to take the high road. Can you, um, if, if you say I have decided to take the high road, doesn't that make you inherently <laughs> not take the high road? Because when somebody well, is like, when somebody's like, this guy complained at me, I'm gonna take the high road. In a way, that is you basically trying to diss them by saying they are like trailer trash or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess this is kind of true in the sense of instead of getting into the rumors, he just decided to get into nothing and do nothing. I guess, but also that's probably not true because how many times did he like respond to Brett Yormark and some of the? How many times has he responded to the? Look, he just said, I well, also know I, where yeah, the sources of that is coming from. The difficult part of this is like, if you're in that situation, you can't really take the high road because people are going to ask you about it, yes. and you have to defend yourself. So don't or you say have that. To say something. And if you are taking the high road, you don't. It's like when you're like, I'm the most humble no, person in the world. He didn't world. take the high road. He took no road. He yeah, didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. But no, if you say I'm the most humble person in the world, you are you are not humble. Like that is not a humble <laughs> statement. It's the same way you're no, saying. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm I am, taking I the am high the road. Most humble person in the world. <laughs> Me. Okay, so that one's a lie. Uh, we are not announcing our media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on yeah, football. This is just the dumbest thing. This I've is ever the biggest lie, right? Because, dude, this literally this exact thing just happened with the NBA Finals gaffe that Adam Silver had, where they were like, you know what, we're not gonna we we. First of all, the John NBA Morant. was like, yeah. we are going to issue a serious suspension of John Morant, but we're not going to tell anybody what it is until after the, until final. after the finals because we don't want to draw attention to it. And then guess what? Game one of the NBA finals, ESPN has a 30-minute segment on what is, what's the punishment going to be? I wonder what the punishment is because Adam Silver said they're not going to punish him yet, but we, they already know what yeah, it is. opens up speculation. It just, it just makes it way worse. It just makes it way worse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I mean, surely somebody in the Pac-12 office had to have watched the NBA Finals and saw what happened when they screwed that up, and realized, yeah, okay, coming out and saying we're not going to announce because this is what I actually want to focus on. All it does is turns the attention right. right back onto the issue. Well, and then there was the follow-up to this where somebody asked, "Does that imply that there is something that is basically done?" And he responded to that and basically said, I'm paraphrasing on this one, um, that you're reading too much into that. And it's like, what do you, you're the one who said it that way. You're the one who said that the reason you are not announcing the media deal is because you want to focus on football. You should have, if you wanted to be honest, said we are now not announcing a media deal because we don't have one. Because that's the truth to this. So yes, this is a very big lie. I just I just don't understand, man. Like You have to know, understand how this stuff works in terms mm-hmm. of narrative. When you say something like this, all you're doing is drawing more attention to the issue and less yes. attention to the football. Yes. If they had a media deal done by then, they would have 100% announced it during media day because it would have got more publicity. Yeah. So that, that is the biggest bold-faced lie. Uh, here's also the last one before we get to the, the tweet that the Pac-12 sent out, which might be him, might not. Uh, speaking of football, the Pac-12 is the strongest it's been in two decades. 
I mean, football-wise, really good. You could probably argue. Uh, maybe, it's been a I guess. On Overall, the as a conference, field. probably not. But how can you claim Colorado's it's the strongest it's been in two decades when you literally have one less member now? Yeah, and they're going to have USC and UCLA leaving, too, yeah. in a year. That's not good. Okay, here's here's what the Pac-12 tweeted last night, which could be George Klafkoff, could be... I mean, it, it obviously has to run by him, I'm assuming. Do you think he approved it? I guess, because it's a statement from the Pac-12 conference, which basically is him. Um, <laughs> quote, the Pac-12 is comprised of world-leading universities. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Stanford, whatever. Uh, and athletic programs... Yeah, sure. Who when, share? Hey, hold on. When's the last time a Pac-12 won a national championship? <laughs> Dude, they win the national championship in like everything that's not football and uh, basketball. So it doesn't count. Okay. Who share a commitment to developing the next generation uh, of leaders, supporting student-athletes, academic and athletic excellence, and broad-based athletic success. Fine. Okay. We remain committed to our shared values and to continuing to invest in our student-athletes. Also true. Maybe. Fine. Whatever. I don't know. What are they committed to? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Today's decision by the University of Colorado has nothing to dis- disrupt that commitment. Has done nothing to disrupt that commitment. You think yeah, it's that, done nothing? Uh, that it, seems it, like a lot. It seems like it's probably done nothing. I think if anything... The first domino of, that could yeah. fracture the whole thing. If anything, this nudges maybe in Arizona or some of these other schools closer to leaving. Yeah. Uh, so that part's a lie. We are focused on conglu- concluding our media rights deals and securing our continued success and growth. They are focused on that. No, they're That's not. not a lie. If they were focused well, on it, they would have already been done. Not, it's not working, but they're trying to. <laughs> Immediately following the conclusion of our media rights deal, we will embrace expansion opportunities and bring new fans, markets, excitement, and value to the Pac-12. So a couple things San there. Diego State, come on down. But how much of a disaster is this that they can't even expand pre-getting the TV deal? That's what that says there. Well, no, okay, well, that's not all their fault, though. <laughs> San Diego State created their own... Uh-huh created their own firestorm of disaster with them leaving, then not leaving, then maybe being forced out, but then kind of still in, and then nobody really knows the Mountain West. Yeah. Well, so George Kalafkov. It's just a disaster. Bottom line. Ding, liar. Ding, ding, liar. All right. One, uh, two hours down, one to go. We got a KU Football Friday question, some Bill Self audio after that. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, coming up in our next segment, we'll get to some KU basketball audio. There was a media availability earlier today ahead of them leaving for uh, Puerto Rico for their trip there, which uh, certainly certainly should be some interesting games with especially the Bohemian national team. We'll see who ends up playing professionally for them, um, or, or I guess of the professionals that are on them. I mean, because, there's some wild names on that. Yeah, list. DeAndre Ayton, Buddy Heels, uh, <laughs> Clay Thompson, Michael Thompson, his brother. Um, forgetting a couple other big ones. So, yeah, that, that would be certainly an interesting test for KU. Uh, we will be airing the games here on KLWN. I don't yep. believe they're going to be airing the games on TV, which means you yeah, have to I, listen on the radio. Yeah, I don't think they're on. Uh, yes. I think there was some rumor about ESPN+, Plus, but as far as I know, they're not. So, Jayhawk Radio Network right here. Which is great for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, now, it might be harder to have, like, takeaways from the game, but, you know, it'll be like the old time. Old time in, like, the yeah. 1940s when it was like you I just mean, had to listen on the radio, right? Exactly. We trust exactly. Brian Haney. If we were a sports talk show in the 1940s, we'd have to do that for every game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. That'll be cool. So you'll be able to listen here on KLWN, on KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. You will also be able to listen on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, 105.9 KISS.com, and the 105.9 KISS app. Okay, our KU Football Friday question of the day. If Jason Bean does end up having to start some games or play in some games this year due to, assumedly, uh, Jalen Daniels' injury at some point uh, this season, 
Okay. We saw him take such a big jump from year one in the Kansas program to year two. Is there a chance that he could take yet another jump forward if he becomes a guy at some point? I think it's definitely possible. I mean, listen, we've talked about this pretty extensively. Like when you have two guys that obviously Jalen Daniels is is of the elite elite offensive player of the year preseason. But when you have another guy like Jason Bean, who I think has proven that when he's at his best can be close to that level, all that does is it just serves to make everyone better. It just serves to make Jalen Daniels better with a guy like Jason Bean behind him. It serves to make Jason Bean better working for that competition. It's just a win-win for all parties involved. And so, yeah, I think you have to assume that if Jalen Daniels were to suffer another injury or something, I think at this point Jason Bean has earned enough trust to where you, he can be relied upon to continue to carry the torch for the offense. Uh, obviously, we talked about it last season. We talked about it in our Jayhawk Rewind discussions of the fact that the big the difference with Jason Bean is was it just his consistency, right? He had a lot of peaks and valleys. The peaks were pretty awesome, but the valleys were really bad, mm-hmm. and that was kind of what separated him from from Jalen Daniels. Is that Jalen Daniels at his peak was a little bit better than Jason Bean, and on top of that, Jalen Daniels was much more consistent, so he didn't have uh, those those drop-offs in play dramatically at times. But, again, I think you have to assume that Jason Bean can be very trusted. I mean, KU definitely has the, the best quarterback depth in the Big 12, right? I mean, I guess maybe you could argue Texas with well, Arch I mean, Manning. If, if we're saying, so Jalen Daniels is the preseason offensive player of the year. That's saying he is the best quarterback in the Big 12, right? Yes. Jason Bean... I mean, if Jason if, Bean were the starter, this, like if you eliminate Jalen Daniels from the equation and Jason where Bean's does he the starter, rank in the Big Twelve pantheon? He's probably still in the top. 10. I mean, you probably still have. Oh, I think he's higher than that because you you probably have at this point at, at that point if it is Jason Bean, Dylan Gabriel's ahead of him, Quinn Ewers is ahead of him. Even though statistically Bean would actually be better, but you understand the projection of of Quinn yeah. Ewers, right? Um, Will Howard, I know you don't like that one, but <laughs> he, yes. Um, and then it would be like, I don't I, like that one. a lot of places that I've seen, like the the fifth or sixth ranked quarterback is like John Rice Plumley yeah. from UCF. I was about to bring up John. Is, is it like, is, is he Jason better? Bean, is he definitively better than Jason Bean? Probably not. I, I, so you could make an argument Jason Bean is also a top five or six quarterback, at least or top half. Top half, yeah. In the Big 12. Yes. Yes. Which means if, if you have two top so you have half the best quarterbacks quarterback in the Big 12, yeah. unless Arch Manning is. Like I said, is, if Arch Manning is, yeah, is right? you know, the second coming. I don't know. That spring game, <laughs> that out route. It's a low throw. So uh, I think I think regardless, you have to feel pretty confident in the quarterback position. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure there are some KU fans out there that are still maybe harbor a little bit of ill content with Jason Bean because of how the season ended with him being the guy that kind of missed on the throw in double overtime that lost the Liberty Bowl. But, I mean, if you're still upset about that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, it, it's it's over. Move on. Like, you know, <laughs> just come on. Let's, we'll just go win it this season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say. So I'm, there might be some people that still kind of have a negative view of Jason Bean just because of that, but I think hands down, you have to feel very, very confident in the quarterback situation given that you have Jalen Daniels, the offensive player of the year preseason, and Jason Bean, who, again, you could easily argue is a would still be, if Jalen Daniels didn't exist, a top eight quarterback in the conference. Right. Which I mean, is still, by the way, miles better than what KU has ever had exactly. literally since Todd Reasing. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Besides one you year would, Carter Stanley. If Jalen Daniels just didn't exist or transferred or was in the NFL or whatever it was, he just wasn't on the roster or was hurt or whatever. Jason Bean coming into this year after what he did last year, we would be we would be, we would be so excited. excited for him even possibly being the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the Big 12 because yes. it hasn't been there. So yeah, it is a huge deal. And I mean, 
going back to the idea of could he take another step forward, and I think this does apply for Jalen Daniels too. Of course they could take another step forward. Uh, but look how much Jason being improved. 56% completion rate his first year at Kansas. Yep. That was up to 64 last year. That's a gigantic improvement. He threw about 50 less passes than the year before, and he had 30 more yards. That's incredible. He had eight more passing touchdowns with two less interceptions. This guy had an unbelievable level of improvement. He went up yeah. in, in yards per carry, too. He doubled his amount of rushing touchdowns. I mean, Part of that, the skill level, I think, around him was better. Yeah. Andy Kolonicki had another year. more to work with with yeah. another year, right? But let's not discount how much better he did get from one year to the next, which maybe does show that there's even more untapped potential in that QB room. Yeah, and go back to go back to last year before the start of the season. We were hearing a lot about how this was the best Jason Beans ever looked in fall camp, and then Jalen Daniels still beat him out. So, really, that should have been a hindsight 2020 moment for us of like, okay, if they're saying Jason Bean is the best he's ever looked and Jalen Daniels is still the starter, Jalen Daniels must be doing pretty special stuff. And then, obviously, he went out and did do special stuff for the first five, four and a half weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, yeah, I think with, with the Jalen Daniels situation, because you have this such, such dramatic turnaround of – 10 year 10 plus years of futility at a position to where with literally within a two year span you now have the offensive player of the year at that position. I mean that's insane. That is like incredible to think about. The the sort of gold that KU has struck basically uh over the last two years and with Jalen Daniels joining the program. And that that can easily skew I think people's opinions of a guy like Jason Bean because you're absolutely right. With no Jalen Daniels, I think we would still be over the moon about Jason Bean being the quarterback this season because he would still be a top-half quarterback, which would still be way better than anything you've ever had in the past 10 years. Yeah. I uh, I, I don't know that there is another level that you can go to, though, because that, that was such a ridiculous season. I mean, if you, yeah. if you just but mark listen, out— Listen, if he replicates that— That's all. That's enough. I think it's that's enough. good enough. It is. I mean, at the end of the day— it was good enough last year for them to get a, for him to get a one win to go to the bowl, mm -hmm. and they were in some games, right? So that's all that matters. If uh, okay, because I I've been saying I, I forget if you've given an official prediction. Maybe we'll do an actual like schedule go through later because this okay. is more so me just tossing out a number. Okay. I've had so far this offseason, I'm at, I have Kansas at seven wins for this season. Did you, have you declared an actual number? I, I have remember. not declared. Okay, I have not declared. You don't have to, but. I mean, I, I, all, all that eventually I have declared, will. all of that, all that I have declared is just win six. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what is the number if it's Jason Bean instead of Jalen Daniels? Like if he starts the whole season? Yes. Because for me, if it's I, for me with Jalen, I I see ceiling is ceiling nine like wins, 10, nine or ten. Yeah. Yeah. Floor could be if like the defense five. doesn't get better is, yeah, four or five. You lose a lot of one-score games. Defense isn't better. Uh, special teams isn't better. Then that's how you win four or five. So I think between four and, I don't know, five and nine wins is most likely. Four and ten maybe the ceiling so and the Jason floor. Bean's but I have it at seven. like eight. Yeah. I don't know. Floor is like maybe floor is three maybe or four. Three or four. And most likely is maybe five or six. But that still Probably. puts you at least in conversation of getting to a bowl, which is if that's your backup quarterback, take me away. Absolutely, especially considering you went to your first bowl game last year in 14 years, and you almost won it, and you're still. I mean, I, I understand this is the most anticipated KU football season in a very, very long time, but uh, sometimes I think it's important to still give yourself some perspective. I mean, this is a program that has obviously been 
driven into the ground for many, many years in recent history. And for that expectation to change so quickly from let's just try to win like two games or three games and let's just let's just try to be competitive guys let's go out there and just have a try to have a good time and be competitive from that to bowl game or bust that's a significant significant jump mm-hmm. right and i just want people i just want people to to kind of remember that that you know 3 years ago if you won 3 games you would have been celebrating in the streets okay <laughs> so just to keep that in perspective and understand that you know this year obviously you you hope to see the team get to six, seven, eight wins, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. No, it's not. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Football Friday. Five weeks away, man. Five weeks. Five weeks from now. Literally right now. Five weeks from right now. We will be at the booth. Yeah. Well, we'll be at Big Mill. At, the, at Big Mill, near the I'm trying booth. to think timing wise, probably. But eventually, we will. No, be yeah, we will at be because if the game is we'll, at, yeah, if the game is at six thirty. Is it 6.30 or 7? I know one of the Friday games is 6.30, one of them is 7. I do too, but I don't know which one. I can look it up, but I don't want to. I don't want to either. (laughs) It's more fun to guess. Just come out to Big Mail all day long. How about that? See us. Say hi. Yes. Get some free stuff. All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout. we got some KU basketball audio coming up next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.